0: I want you to know this morning, the text is going to be a very familiar text that many of you will be very familiar with. But I want to remind you that sometimes the Lord can speak to us through those familiar texts and show us things that we've never seen before. He can speak to us in ways that he's never spoken before. And the reason that that can happen is because the Bible is the inspired and it's the inerrant word of God. That's the reason that he can use a text that we have read literally all our lives and maybe allow us to see something today that's different than what we've ever seen before. So I I would invite you to take your bulletin. There is a page in there that is um, designed for sermon notes. Anytime that you hear something in a sermon, whether it's today or anytime, and it sparks your interest, write that down and look it up so you can go just a little bit further in that when you get home. I also want to tell you this morning, as I was preparing for the sermon, the Lord made it very clear to me that I was supposed to preach today without any notes whatsoever. And that's, that's sort of a scary thought to me. There's been one time in my ministry, one other time that I have felt led to preach a Sunday morning sermon without notes, and it was not here. So this will be the first time on a Sunday morning without notes. So, and just in case anybody thinks, well, he's got it on his iPad, what I've got on my iPad is what you're going to see on the screen. That's that's all, which is basically going to be the scripture. Miss Karen, um, I will still be... Poking on my iPad, so maybe that'll be the, the clue uh, to advance the slide. So I want to I call your attention to what's on the screen right now. And it's obviously something that an artist has painted. It's Jesus with his disciples at the Last Supper. And then there's a quote that's right under that that says, If I must die with you, I will not deny you. If I must die with you, I will not deny you. Now, just as soon as you heard that quote, which of the disciples did you immediately think of? Peter, right? All right, I want you to hold that thought, and we're going to be addressing that in just a moment. So we're going to uh, be talking to start with about the walk to Gethsemane. Next slide, please. We're going to be in Mark chapter 14, verses 26 through 31. Mark 26, verses 26 through 31. Next slide, please. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Now, that's probably very familiar to you, because if you've been to a service here where we have observed the Lord's Supper, many times we end it exactly like that. We read that precise verse. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. We sing a hymn. We leave. We leave the place. We go out into our mission field, our Mount of Olives. And so I think that the disciples probably were a little surprised at what Jesus tells them next in verse 27. And Jesus said to them, you will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I'm raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Now, I think at this point they were shocked. They were not expecting to hear Jesus Christ, their Lord, say anything like that to them. But yet he said it. He said it and he meant it. He knew exactly what was going to happen. And then we've got it documented in verse 29 that Peter speaks up. And he says, even though they all fall away, I will not. Even though they all fall away, I will not. Now, I want you to understand this morning, I completely believe that when Peter made this statement, he was serious. I do not believe that Peter could have imagined at that point in his life that there would ever be anything that would happen that would cause him to turn away from Jesus Christ. I think he was being completely serious when he said that. But I also want to draw your attention to exactly how that verse is worded. Peter is making what can be taken as a very arrogant statement. Even though they... Jesus, even though all those other people that call themselves your disciples, even though they all fall away, I will not. Now I want to tell you, you've got to be careful. We have got to be careful any time that we try to elevate our level of spiritual maturity over that of another person. Because when we do that, when we reach that point where we think we know more than that person does, I understand more than that person does, we're skating on thin ice and we're in danger of falling through. Next slide, please. And Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And Peter, I think is just jolted with this information. He still doesn't believe it. So he speaks up and it says, he said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. He makes that statement. I still believe he means it. So if if you answered that first question, who said that, if you answered it as Peter, correct. But then I want to call your attention to the very last sentence of that verse. And they all said the same. And they all said the same. Every one of those disciples said the same thing that Peter did. Every one of those disciples, we're going to see they turned away from following Jesus. But when we typically think of which of the disciples denies Jesus, we automatically think of Peter. Somehow it gets attached to him. So that makes me want to ask you the question this morning. What types of things are being attached to you as you live your life? What types of things? Because whether we want to admit it or not, there are things that you are known for right now. There are things that people are going to remember about you after you leave this earth. My question this morning is, are they eternal? Are the things that you are going to be remembered for, are those things that are being attached to you, are they eternal for the kingdom of Jesus Christ? I hope the answer is yes. And so we move uh, to the next slide and we see where Jesus, He goes into a time of prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, verses 32 through 42. And we see in verse 32, And they went to a place called Gethsemane. And He said to His disciples, Sit here while I pray. And that seems like a very easy thing to do, doesn't it? He's not even telling this group of guys to do anything other than sit here while he prays. But then from that group of disciples, he takes three with him. Peter, James, and John. And then we see at the end of that verse, verse 33, he begins to be greatly distressed and troubled. And I think it's it's important to not pass over that. Because there are those that will tell you. If Jesus is in your life, if you truly follow Jesus, you should never be distressed or or troubled about anything. We've all heard that. Now, don't get me wrong. Do not misinterpret what I'm saying. We should not be prone to worry about everything. In fact, the Bible tells us not to worry like that. But there are going to be times where we're going to be distressed. There are going to be times where we will be troubled. If it happened to Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the only person who has ever walked this earth without any sin, and it happened to him, it will happen to us. And then in verse 34, and he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful. Even to death. So he tells these three now that the instructions are getting a little more detailed. He's telling them, remain here and watch. It still sounds really easy. This doesn't sound difficult to do at all. But the instructions are getting just a little more detailed. Verse 35. In going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might come. Pass from him. Now, I want to draw your attention to the fact that when Jesus is greatly distressed and troubled, what's he do? He talks to his Father about it. What do we do when we are greatly distressed and troubled? Much of the time, we talk to everybody except the Father first. And then we finally go to him Now, I realize that Jesus taught His disciples how to pray. And we typically refer to that as the Lord's Prayer or the model prayer. But I think even from this text that's on the screen right now, we can learn a lot about how to pray. We can see some really big clues of exactly how Jesus prayed. Look at verse 36. He says, Father, all things are possible for you. He's acknowledging That with His Father, with your Father, all things are possible for Him. And then He makes His request. Will you remove this cup from me? But then He says something else that so many times we don't say at all. And then if we do say it, we really, part of the time, don't mean it. Yet not what I will but what you will. Now, how many times do we truly pray like that? Now, I'm going to tell you, if I'm being really honest with you this morning, if I am being very transparent with you this morning, so many times I don't pray like that. Because so many times it's easy to get wound up in our own situations and believe we know what the best outcome is going to be. And we just ask that it be fixed. We ask that our Father fix it. We don't really pray, not what I will, but what you will. We need to. We need to pray that. We need to pray it seriously. We need to realize that Jesus Christ and also God, they see the picture that is in its entirety. They see things that our eyes are not capable of seeing. They know what is truly best for us. We do not. Most of the time. Now look at verse 37. And he came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch for one hour? Now I think surely this got Peter's attention at this moment. Now remember, he's been told by Jesus, you're going to deny me. You're going to deny me and you're going to do it more than once. Peter did not believe that that was going to happen. He did not believe that was possible but now he's got to face this situation. Jesus asked me to do something specifically. And what did I do? I went to sleep. I went to sleep. I wonder if in the back of his mind, he was maybe his mind started spinning. Oh my. Oh my, could it be true? Could it be true? Could Jesus have really known what he was talking about? Verse 38. Jesus then gives them a little... More precise level of instructions. Watch and pray that you might not enter into temptation. The Spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is what? The flesh is weak. I want you to know this morning He's telling us the same thing. Church, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. You know why? Because the Spirit is is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now, folks, if we think our flesh is not weak, we have been deceived directly from the enemy. Our flesh is weak. My flesh is weak. Look at verse 39. And again, he went away and prayed, saying the same words. Now, I want to talk about that for just a minute because there are those people. Who will tell you that you should never pray for anything more than one time? Because God is not deaf. He hears you the first time. Now, I will, I will say I can follow for the most part where that thought process comes from. But I want to point out in this verse Jesus prayed the same thing. It says, He says, saying the same words. So should Jesus not have prayed that? The man who had no sin at all in his life, he prayed the same thing more than one time. So what I want to tell you this morning, when we pray, we should pray as the Spirit leads us. And if the Spirit leads you to pray something more than one time, by all means, pray it. And then in verse 40, again he came and found them sleeping. For their eyes were heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. I wonder if you put yourself in the shoes of these men, would you have known? Would you have known how to answer him? They've been told to stay awake. They've been told to watch. They've been told to pray. And what do they do? They go to sleep. Maybe words were few at that point. Verse 41, and he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? Now folks, I want to tell you, sometimes we're guilty of looking at these disciples as if they were some type of superheroes. Folks, they weren't. They were real people. They were real men with real occupations. Yet they heard the voice of Jesus say, Come follow me, and they did it. They heard the voice of Jesus and they obeyed Him. They did exactly what He said. Yes, He called them. But it doesn't mean that they turned into some type of superhero. It does not mean that they did not uh, become physically exhausted. Nor does it mean that you will not become physically exhausted. If you are following Jesus, do you realize if you are here this morning and you are a Christian and you are a true follower of Jesus, do you realize He has called you to do something too? But it does not mean that you're not going to get tired. And then He tells them it's enough. The hour has come. And we're going to quickly start moving now to the next slide. We're going to be looking just a little about the betrayal and the arrest In Gethsemane, beginning at verse 43 through 52. I want to quickly move through this this morning. Verse 46, we see where they are laying their hands on Jesus and they seized him. But look at verse 47. But one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Now, Mark's gospel doesn't identify this person. But in another one of the gospels, it does. We're talking about Peter here. Peter's still all in at this point. Peter, I don't think, still believes he's going to betray Jesus or deny Jesus. He takes out his sword and he cuts off the ear of this man. And then Jesus responds, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Verse 49, Day after day I was with you in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me. But let the Scriptures be fulfilled. And they all, they all left him and fled. Every one of those disciples left Jesus at that moment and they fled. They probably couldn't believe that they had done it, but they did. Their situation changed and they left Jesus. That thing that they thought they would never do. I'm going to spend the rest of the time just quickly talking or try to quickly talk about Peter's denial of Jesus. And we're going to concentrate on verses 66 through 72. And as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came. And seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with the Nazarene Jesus. But he denied it. And look at what he said. He said, I neither know nor understand what you mean. Now, not only has Peter denied that he knows Jesus, he twists two lies in addition to that in the same sentence. You know that Peter knew what she meant. You know that he understood what she meant. But yet somehow when we get wound up in sin, it makes us feel better if we can just throw some lies in with it too and make us feel a little bit better about denying Jesus. And he went out into the gateway and the rooster crowed. Now don't you think this would have got your attention? Uh Uh-oh, Jesus has told me I'm going to deny him three times. I've done it once. I've still got two more more times to go. But I heard that rooster crow. Oh, Lord, help me. You would think that something like that would have been spinning through his mind. Verse 69, And the servant girl saw him and began again to say to the bystanders, This man is one of them. Verse 70, But again, he denied it. That's denial number two. And it still doesn't go away. I want to call your attention to the fact that when Jesus tells us something, it is going to happen. It is going to happen. And after a little while, the bystanders again said to Peter, certainly you are one of them, for you are at Galilean. Verse 71. But he began to invoke a curse on himself. And to swear. Folks, this is serious stuff. Not only is he saying that he doesn't know Jesus. Now he's invoking a curse upon himself. And he's swearing. I do not know this man of whom you speak. Well. The man who said, even if all those others deny you, I'll never do it, Jesus. Not me. And now he's seen exactly what Jesus said come true of his life. Verse 72, and immediately the rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. I believe it was a time where weeping was definitely appropriate. The man who said, I will never do it. I will never not. Even if everybody else does, I won't. I won't do it. He saw that he did. And I think that part of the reason is because he saw his situation changed. It was so different than what he thought it was. You see, it's easy to follow Jesus in the good times, isn't it? It's easy to follow Jesus in the good times. But what about when persecution is involved? Now, thankfully, in this country, we have not seen persecution to Christians happen yet, really. There, there's been some situations where on isolated incidents they have But in general, we are free to worship Jesus Christ freely without any type of threat of being persecuted. Folks, I think the day's coming probably in our lifetime where we're going to have to wonder about that. And so the question is, when that day comes, are you in or not? Are you in or not? Or will you be like Peter and say, I don't have any idea what you're talking about. I don't know what you mean. Jesus, who is Jesus? I'm afraid that's what the situation's going to be for the vast majority of people in this country who call themselves Christians. Because you see, our situations can change in the blink of an eye. At a moment's notice, they can change. And we can find ourselves... In a situation we never imagined that we would be in. I've got two more slides for you. And I'm going to show them to you in just a minute. And I will say, other than the very first slide I showed you today, that that and these last two slides were the only visual aids that I knew I was supposed to have. And the Lord woke me up one morning at 1.30 this past week. And he put these last two slides on my heart and told me this was the way the message was supposed to end today. And I will tell you, when you see the first one here in a minute, a lot of you are going to wonder, how how does that relate at all? How does that relate? Well, first of all, it relates because Jesus said it relates. Jesus told me to use it, and I'm going to. But it's going to be a very vivid example of how quickly our lives can change, and at a moment that we don't think that it could possibly happen. Most of you know that my son Isaac played high school basketball. Now, when mid-February rolled around, we knew that his high school days were dwindling down. The district tournament for that team began on February 19th. Now, I'll just be quite honest, I did not believe that would be the last game. Didn't. Thought we would win that game. But we didn't. And so we went that night thinking we've we probably got at least two more games after tonight. And it all ended then. Yeah, we knew it was going to end sometime. But we didn't think it was on February 19th. First of all, I want to thank Carla for this picture and the next one you're going to see in just a minute and for all of the memories she's documented throughout the years. But this is a picture that was taken of Isaac and his coach when he was taken out of the game for the last time as a Green County Dragon. The moment that I had dreaded the last four years happened that day. Did I know it was going to happen sometime? Yeah, I did. I knew it was going to happen sometime, but I did not think it was on that day, nor was I ready for it to be that day. Let's go to the next, the next slide. After he hugged his coach, he went down to the water cooler and got a cup of water. And that's, that's what most of you see when you look at this particular picture. But there's so much more in that picture than that. There's so much more in this picture than a ball player who's getting a cup of water. You see, for the last two years, while he had been starting, during every timeout, other people brought him water. He didn't really have to go to the cooler and get it. They brought water to him. And now he's come out of the game for the last time, and he's back at the water cooler again. By himself. And you see, the reason why is because those guys that would have brought him the water, they're now in the game. Their situation changed, too. It changed, too. And I want you to know this morning that I believe some of you are on the verge of a water cooler moment. I believe some of you are on the verge of a water cooler moment. For some of you, maybe that's going to be a good thing. Maybe your life's going to change in a really great way. But for others, it may not be. It may be the death of a loved one, maybe the death of a child, the death of a spouse, the death of someone you love dearly. It's still a water cooler moment. And then I believe there are others of you. You're on the verge of a water cooler moment, and it's a bad thing. Maybe you're on the verge. You've got one foot on the ground and you've got another foot about ready to take a step in some type of immoral activity. Maybe you're buying into the whispers that the enemy is telling you. Go ahead, it won't matter. Times have changed. Do it. Do it anyway. Folks, I'm going to tell you, keep your eyes on Jesus Jesus is always worth it. He is always worth it. You know, when Peter had that moment, he had more than one, you realize. You remember? Who was it that was walking on the water and took his eyes off Jesus and began to sink? It was Peter. Folks, I'm going to tell you, when we take our eyes off of Jesus, we are going to experience problems. So I want to tell you, when you are in that water cooler moment, See, the other thing that you can't see about that picture, and I'm not talking about the people that are in the background, is that there's there's somebody else in that picture. It's Jesus. Jesus is right there with him. Just like he will be with you at those water cooler moments. Just like he was with the woman at the well. the, The list could go on and on. Folks, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Do not deny Him. We all—we probably all would say right now would never deny Jesus. I believe that sometimes we do it daily with our silence, when we don't speak up. Really, all it takes to deny Jesus is to keep our mouths closed when we know we're supposed to speak. That's all it takes. I pray that we will be bold and share. This morning, the invitation is to come to Jesus. Come to Jesus this morning. Rely on Him completely. Come, pray for strength for those water cooler moments when life changes and we were not expecting it. Pray for strength for that moment. Perhaps there's people here this morning that you have never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Folks, I'm going to tell you, that water cooler moment for you may be your death. It may be your death. Do not live your life as if you've got tomorrow. You may not have it. You may not have tomorrow. Your salvation is not worth putting the chance of putting it off till tomorrow. Maybe there's others of you this morning just like that song that we've sung for years, Just a a Closer Walk With Thee. Maybe some of you need to come and make the commitment this morning. I truly want Jesus to be first place in my life. I truly want a closer walk with Jesus. Maybe there's others of you this morning that know God's calling you to this church and you want to come unite with this church. If that's you, come, let us know. Brother Blake and I would love to meet with you and explain the vision of the church and the things that God is doing here. But the main thing I want to leave you with today is keep your eyes on Jesus. When He says, come, follow me, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's be obedient and share. Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you. For the day that you've given us. Lord, thank you for bringing us to this place today. Lord, I pray that you will strengthen us today. Lord, just like Peter, so many of us don't believe that the moment could ever possibly come that we would deny you. Lord, I pray that it doesn't. Lord, but I pray that we will constantly read Your words. Lord, I pray that we will constantly pray. Pray that we would constantly seek Your will for our life. And what I pray that You will strengthen us day by day. What I pray that You will give us the desire to keep our eyes fixed on You, even when the world is screaming a different story. What I pray that we will remain strong in our faith. I pray that those things that are that become attached to us, that people will remember. Many years after we leave this earth, I pray that there will be things that are eternal, that truly made a difference for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that you will move during this time of invitation. Lord, well, I pray that decisions will be made today, and I pray that you will be glorified. And it's in your name Amen. I pray. Amen.